Hello everyone and welcome once again to another valuable riveting episode of and I forgot what episode number I was on again I'm sure I could pull it up it would be really really easy for me to just go ahead and uh, pull it up but I'm not going to do that because it would involve me having to talk into the microphone trying to uh, somehow stall while I uh, stall for time and then I pull it up on on my phone or somewhere else uh, some other platform and honestly I'm not good at uh, talking while doing other things um, it's it's probably a multitasking thing that I would have to do but nonetheless I'm here this week because someone brought it to my attention a friend of mine. So a friend of mine brought it to my attention that I did not at the October 3rd 2021 broadcast that I did do what I did not do was give a review of the 2021 pay-per-view that happened in October or uh I'm sorry, that happened in September of that year. <clears throat> However, had that been the case, what I'm here to do now is I'm here to right one wrong and make sure that I get that done. However, before we begin, there is something that I need to get off my chest. Something that has bugged me for about four days now. Yeah, about four days. So, at Sammy Zane on Twitter, uh, tweeted, Sticking around and having fun, that's the Sammy Zane way. He tweeted that on January 20th, 2022. Now, a lot of you might be wondering, wait, what? January? But this has been bothering you for a few days. Why wouldn't it be bothering you? Because I didn't learn that he had signed a new contract with WWE until just recently. And the reason that this this bothers me, this upsets me, is because Sami Zayn is the equivalent to a turd in the toilet. Sami Zayn is the equivalent to dirt on the floor. The lowest form of life. I want you to pay attention very closely to what he said. Having fun. In an interview done with Sami Zayn, <clears throat> in an interview done with Sami Zayn, uh, Zayn, whenever he first came to the WWE, years ago, Sami said that he was here to, quote, have fun. And he was just, quote, happy to be here. Now, I've done several videos on YouTube making Sami Zayn look like a clown already. Because he makes himself out to be a clown. And it's easy to point out his consistent clownish behavior. And if you're going to dress up like a rodeo clown put the makeup on to look like Ronald McDonald, or if you're going to act like a clown, then I'm going to go ahead and put the metaphorical fucking makeup on you. Because you have no business being in this business whatsoever. I, I know what you're thinking, though, right? Uh, tough talk coming from a guy who just sets down and reviews wrestling matches. Everybody's a critic, right? Well, yeah, I guess you're right. What does my opinion matter about Sami Zayn? 
he's obviously got fans, right? The fans are wrong. Whenever they try to support Sami Zayn, they... Like, what? what is his purpose? What is his cause? Because to me, it seems like he's just around for a paycheck. Regardless of whether I'm getting paid to do this or not, I'm going to do it because I love it. Not just because it might be, don't get me wrong, it might be good to have a paycheck in my pocket from doing this. But regardless of whether I have a paycheck or not from doing this, I don't care if I'm doing this for 10 years, 25 years even, no amount of time, no amount of time would be sufficient enough without pay to say that I actually did it, regardless of the fact that I was getting a measly paycheck and Sami Zayn seems to here's here's the point okay Zayn said that he's here to quote have fun and that he's just quote happy to be here living in mediocrity will get you nowhere and if you want to live in mediocrity son you should have stayed home Because you are the biggest clown in professional wrestling today, bar none. Nobody, and I mean this, nobody in the wrestling world should have to put up with Sami Zayn. Like I said, I've made him look like a clown before, and I do apologize that this is Seven minutes. We're going on eight minutes right now, and I just can't let that go. I've done this before, um, somewhere in 2017, where I talked about Sami Zayn. The name of the video, if you're, um, if you've already seen my YouTube platform, the name of the video is "Not a Bad Light." That's literally the name of the video. Okay. Not a bad light. And in that video, which probably only has 10 or 12 views, so if you're going to look it up, uh, filter by views, by view count, you should see my um, not-so-smiling face as the profile picture for that um, YouTube channel. It should be called Workout Robert, except it's spelled different. It's work and then hyphen out. No space, nothing like that. It's just W-O-R-K hyphen O-U-T and then space and then Robert. And then after that, I should pop up. But nonetheless, the name of the video is Not a Bad Light. And it's basically where Sami Zayn won the Intercontinental Championship. This time, he's not an Intercontinental Champion. Thank God that he's not, if there is a God out there to think. Um... Religious views aside, though, um, want to go ahead and I wanted to start this by saying that because Sami Zayn, being the clown that he is, is so easy to poke fun at. He's so easy to. And it's not that I, I get joy in my heart out of making him be some uh, one of the most generic pieces of shit that I've ever had the pleasure of sitting down and watching a wrestling match with, or watching a wrestling match of, rather, because I've never sat down and watched a wrestling match with him. But if he stinks as bad in the professional wrestling ring or on the microphone than he does in real life, then I probably couldn't sit beside him anywhere and watch a freaking wrestling match. Because this man, this man is like a Duck Dynasty reject that's been fuse, fusioned with um, Carrot Top. Because he's not funny, he's not entertaining, he's not at all athletic, his... his 
finishing moves are some of the dullest finishing moves that you'll ever find on a professional wrestler. And usually that's supposed to be the high point of a wrestling match is, hey, he's about to hit the rock bottom. Oh, no, he's not. It just got countered. Oh, my God. It just got Stone Cold Stunner. One, two. You know, you look forward to the to the um, uh, finisher, but uh, Sami Zayn charging up for the haluba kick. What the hell is a haluba kick? You call it what it is. It's a kick in the corner. That's all that it is. It doesn't he's trying to make a pun? Haluba? Do you get it? Because it's supposed to be hell of a. It's a hell of a kick, but haluba sounds nothing like hell of a. It sounds like he sneezed halfway through saying halfway through saying something you know like trying to finish a sentence and he thinks that it's clever and that it's funny and that you're nod nod wink wink and at the crowd but you're not because you're not funny you're not clever you're not entertaining you're a clown that's exactly what you are you are a five-star fucking clown and it's easy to point that out and see that you are the most disgusting creature in professional wrestling today. And I'm so sick and tired of seeing your face, let alone hearing your fucking promos. I have a passion for this business, and I'll be damned if I'm going to let somebody who's mediocre and somebody who has no ungodly idea how to cut a promo, let alone wrestle a wrestling match anywhere and I mean anywhere near a wrestling contract where you don't deserve, by the way. But that's just a few of the things that I have pent up against Sami Zayn. Do apologize for that 12-minute um, rant, if that's what you want to call it. Um, however, we have bigger fish to fry other than mediocrity. And Sami Zayn. Hello again, once again, ladies and gentlemen. My name, you know me as Mocha. My name is Robert. I am here. <clears throat> I am here to um, review this this pay per view that last week I told you that we were going to review because a friend of mine looked at me and then he told me. Look, I listened to episode one, and halfway through, I started to realize that you weren't talking about, he noticed that I wasn't talking about the subject at hand, rather I was more focused on some nonsense, and in the background you can also hear my cats going crazy, because I didn't, for whatever reason, I didn't feed them before I decided to sit down and record, but nonetheless, um, WWE Extreme Rules, I wish I would have put 2021, but I guess I didn't, um, holy crap, 2022, but I, I guess I didn't, um, yep, 2021, holy crap, I got that wrong twice. <clears throat> off topic but there's a fan with a t-shirt um that the camera pans to and they, they only show him the one time at the beginning of the program and his t-shirt literally says dad 316 tried to run that by one of my friends and um they said dad 316 says your ass just got grounded so imagine imagine that that's a dad joke for you. If there was a dad joke counter, I'd go ahead and uh, put it up, but we don't have a counter. New Day, all three members, that's Kofi, Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston rather, Xavier Woods, and Big E Langston. Now, for those of you who do not know, at this time, Big E Langston was your wwe champion i'm going to go out on another rant but it's not going to be one that's 12 minutes long and have to do with a whole bunch of spiel where i just go off the 
the rails for a little bit and lose control of my emotions like I just did earlier. I do apologize for that. Um, that's somewhat unprofessional of me, and if I was to try to build a platform, I would want to look as professional as possible and try not to bury people um, just because of a personal preference that I may or may not have. However, um, as much as my emotions may or may not get into the way, it really hurts my feelings, and for that matter, it really infuriates me whenever I hear about people who are mediocre and they're content with their mediocrity. They're content with being a clown in the business that I have a passion for. Because I'm not in the... Understand that he's ungrateful. And if I were in his shoes, I would be as grateful as possible. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Nonetheless, the New Day, Xavier Woods, Biggie Langston, who is your WWE champion, don't worry, we'll get to that, and Kofi Kingston, a group of three men who make up one group known as the New Day, collectively, AJ Styles and Omos. And his tag team, their tag team partner, rather, Bobby Lashley. This all came about whenever Bobby Lashley um, was having a, a um, <clears throat> wrestling match with Randy Orton. And for whatever reason, Bobby Lashley, um, while picking up Randy Orton for... Uh, Spinebuster, I think it was, or a a, uh, a slam of some sort. And Bob Lashley, what ended up happening was he he had hurt his calf, and he started reaching for his leg as though that it were hurt. And the referee was asking him if everything was okay. And um, Biggie Langston's music hit. And Langston had a um, championship rematch clause anytime he wanted to cash it in. So he went and he cashed it in and he beat uh, Bob Lashley and took Bob Lashley's WWE championship straight off of him. Um, and that was on an episode of Monday Night Raw. And AJ Styles and Omos already have beef with the uh, other two members of the New Day, not including Big E Langston. This match ends. Um, I, at the end of it, I gave it two out of five stars. It really wasn't anything exciting. It really wasn't something that I would write home about, you know, something that was like, oh my god, that was so cool. They had maybe one spot that was uh, really exciting, really uh, entertaining, fun to watch. Uh, you know, qu quite, quite like the cherry on top, if you will. But, um... And one thing that really got me, and this is why it's got such a low rating, is because uh, Biggie Langston is the WWE champion. The why is he uh, opening? Why is he the opening contest? And why is he in a six-man tag team match rather than a singles championship match against Bob Lashley, who would probably have a rematch clause at this point, seeing as though that two weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago from this point he got um he got just beat upside the head the closing 
the closing moments of this match shows AJ Styles going for a phenomenal forearm, but as he's about to hit, as he's about to hit said forearm, um, Lashley tags himself in, uh, off the blind tag, and whenever Lashley tags himself in, he like bumps AJ like on the back, and then Styles ends up uh, losing his footing. He ends up bouncing off the ropes in an attempt to get his footing back. And then as he's bouncing off the ropes, he finds Big E Langston in the center of the ring. And then he think, he's thinking, okay, well, maybe I can hit him with my forearm now. What he doesn't see is the train about to hit him and break him in half. Of course, that being um, Bob Lashley. And then Lashley is like spearing him in half trying to hit Big E. And they both had the same idea. AJ from one side of the ring and uh, Bob Lashley from the other side of the ring trying to hit Big E Langston. But um, whenever AJ goes to hit Big E, he he instead misses and he, he finds... He finds Bob Lashley, who breaks him in half with a spear, and then Langston ends up picking up Lashley and then just depositing him onto the ground with his uh, finishing maneuver. As I aforementioned, the finishing maneuver is one of those moments in a match wherever you're like, oh, is he going to hit it? And he did. He hit the big ending off of um, AJ rolling out of the ring, and Omos was... He maybe had one part in this match, and he was nowhere to be found after after the spear that AJ got hit with, which AJ and Omos are supposed to be a team, so they ended up breaking up anyway, but it's it's not the point, I guess. I'm spending too much time on one match. It just really pisses me off that if they're going to have a major pay-per-view that they're going to, like, put a lot of resources and time into that they would they would say hey the WWE championship on the line but instead of that um the next night on raw because i looked up the next night on raw they would have three open challenges well, actually, two open challenges, but three championship matches. Because two open challenges was Charlotte Flair had an open challenge uh, after she won her match, which happens later on tonight. Yes, yes, I had to make sure that I got that right. Uh, Charlotte Flair and Alexa Bliss have a match uh, later on tonight. Um, where Charlotte would win, and then later, like the next day on Raw, because their pay-per-views happen on Sunday. Um, Monday is their free show. The next night on Monday Night Raw, they would have uh, Alexa with a open challenge, and um, Damian Priest, the United States champion, former United States champion, because he recently got beat by um, Finn Balor, who is who is also in the main event here tonight or here tonight as in whatever's on this piece of paper that I'm referring to. Um, but it really doesn't make sense to me that, um, Biggie Langston wouldn't be in a one-on-one -on -one competition against someone if he was a singles champion. Um, Bob Lashley losing his uh, championship to Big E, Langston uh, confusing, in a confusing and uh, oh, okay, Michael Cole confuses an Integuri with a Pele kick. Where was Omos? This is one of the questions that I had down here. Uh, when Lashley speared AJ, yeah, where was Omos? He only showed up one time during the entire match. So, they showed a preview a little bit after this. This is why I wrote 
down what I wrote down when I wrote it down. Um, you'll you'll see what I mean here in a second. Um, what I mean to say is they showed like a preview and kind of a hype package for Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair uh, for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Becky Lynch, of course, being your champion at this time, and she's still the champion. But had that been the case, um, even though they showed the hype package for it, they said, okay, and ladies and gentlemen, our next matchup is uh, going to take place. And then they went ahead and they brought out the Street Profits and they brought out the champions, Jimmy and Jay, the Usos, two-thirds of the bloodline. Nonetheless, and one thing that I really took a like, took it, Okay, well, I don't like it at all, actually. Um, Pat McAfee is on commentary. And Pat McAfee has no business whatsoever being on a wrestling commentator's desk. Being on a wrestling commentator's desk. Um, and I don't understand why he's there. Michael Cole keeps asking him these acidine questions, though, week after week um, about football. Hey, Pat, in your football career, have you ever uh, seen someone hit that hard? Or, hey, Pat, in your football career, have you ever... Whatever, whatever, whatever. He runs a ball down a field, and all of a sudden that makes him championship wrestling material. Or... Some sort of, like, why couldn't they get anyone else to replace Pat McAfee? Who is Pat McAfee? You tell me. You tell me. Did he play football? I don't know. I don't watch football. Football's boring. It's fucking nonsense is what it is. A whole bunch of coaches run a ball down the field. Oh, look at me. I can run a ball down the field. Oh, uh, uh, interception. Oh, no. Was that controversial? Let's talk about Brett Favre. Brett Favre is the greatest of all time. He ran a ball down the field in two directions. I can't with football, man. Football is nonsense, okay? He got nine yards last year. Who cares? Here's here's my take on football, okay? Not to sound like Seth Rollins or anything, because Rollins is always tweeting, I hate football. And then, like, three days later, he'll say, I love football. But he only does it because it's ironic, and it's funny, and he's entertaining, and he's not a clown. But, nonetheless, what I mean to say is that it... Like I said, I didn't want this to turn into a nine-minute rant again... But Pat McAfee on commentary has no place whatsoever. They couldn't have found like a, a wrestling legend to replace Pat McAfee on commentary. I could think of three people right now off the top of my head who could replace Pat McAfee on commentary. They're just throwing money just down the drain, man. Just down the drain. WWE uh, champion SmackDown championships. I forgot to put uh, SmackDown. WWE Tag Team, WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships are on the line as the Street Profits, that's Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins, try to keep up with me, face off against two-thirds of the bloodline known as the Usos, Jimmy and Jay, the Uso brothers, the Uso Penitentiary. They call, him, they call themselves that because they've got everybody on lockdown as far as the entire tag team division goes they've got it on lockdown and you know that's something that i was talking about Sami Zayn earlier and how generic he is how much of a clown that he is that's something that really takes some some clever writing in order to put that down you know Jimmy and Jay the Usos and then they come out and then they talk about how they're in, instead of saying you're in my world or instead of saying you're in my house or something like that, they just literally said you're in our penitentiary. 
and we're about to lock the doors on everybody here. You know, just basically comparing the WWE to a penitentiary and then saying that Jimmy and Jay are the wardens. And the whole entire SmackDown <clears throat> locker room being put on notice because they're about to put their penitentiary, and I'm putting that in air quotes, on lockdown because they've got it locked down and nobody can touch them. See, that's clever writing. Not halluba kick. That's clever writing. Anyway, um, the Street Profits, Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins face off against Jimmy and Jay, the champions, the Usos, and what a match we had here. It wasn't spectacular, per se, but it was almost four out of five stars because I gave it three and a half out of five. I felt obligated to almost give this one four out of five, but it wasn't as good as their match that they would have um, later on at the Crown Jewel pay-per-view. I want to say that their Crown Jewel pay-per-view was later on because I've already covered that one. Okay, then. Yeah, I've already covered that one. But I tried to cover this one first, so... If I tried to cover this one first... See, this is this is kind of a mind fuck for me. Because I thought that I'd already had this episode down, you know? So I would have I would have had to have watched this one first before watching the um Crown Jewel. So it makes sense. This doesn't add up to what their uh Crown Jewel pay-per-view would have been because that match was insane. <clears throat> and um we get another gem on commentary where somebody doesn't know how to do their fucking job. He calls an exploder suplex a fallaway slam. If you don't know the difference between an exploder suplex and a fallaway slam, then you should just Google it because I don't have the resources, I don't have the time, and I don't have two action figures standing in front of me to show you uh, how to. I wish that I could turn my camera on for 55 seconds and just show you a 55 second video of like two stick figures doing a fallaway slam and then showing you, but I'm not that, you know. I'm not exactly that savvy to be able to do that from this platform. If you want, you can tweet me at P1 underscore B-A-Y-B-A-Y, P1 underscore Bay-Bay, and I will explain to you what the difference between a fallaway slam and, a, and an exploder suplex is. But like I said, I gave it three of three out of five, three out of five, holy shit, three and a half out of five stars. I'm sorry, I'm extremely, I'm extremely tired. I know this is just another excuse, right? Yeah, I guess so. Oh no, I know that I said that they showed a hype package for Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair, and then they didn't even show me the actual match itself. I don't know if I should go in order, but that was the co-main event, and honestly, it, it one person sucks, okay? Let's just put it that way. One person is not pulling their weight. They're extremely generic, and as I said about Sami Zayn being a clown, um, I really don't like generic. You know, whenever I can spot that your heart isn't in this, and you look... Sami Zayn does the same thing. Holy crap, we're talking about it again. He's got this stare like he's looking off into another land. And he could be anywhere else. He could be anywhere else, like Kristen Stewart. She could be anywhere else except for where she is. And, you know, it's it's like mind-boggling that... People can actually get away with being mediocre, flying under the radar for so long and still have a following of people who would beckon to your call whenever you show up to do a wrestling promo or for that matter, uh, wrestle a wrestling match and then say, huh, well, that was pretty good. 
Okay, whatever you say, buddy. That was mediocre at best. Bianca Belair doesn't, however, fall under that category. <clears throat> she is just generic. That's bad because you never want to be someone who's just bland, tasteless, has no color, has no um, originality, has no no real spice, you know, no real fire, no real desire. The, the, the things that I'm trying to say is that she doesn't stand out. From any Stacy, Nancy, and you know, like if she was in a line of women, I would more than likely look look past her because it just seems to me like she's just not up to par. Especially when she comes out, she calls herself the fastest, the bestest. Yeah, I've heard that before. I've heard all of the, the same song and dance that Bret Hart said, that Steve Austin said, um, Shawn Michaels said. Let me think. Uh, Ric Flair once, once upon a time called himself the best, the fastest, the strongest, the greatest. But what have you done to prove it, you know? What have you done to prove it, Bianca? Because, to me, you're just the genericest, if that's a word, um, or the most genericest um, lady in the women's restroom. Restroom? Holy crap. Holy crap. In the women's uh, roster. Nonetheless, Becky Lynch is our champion, and she takes us home. Uh, Lynch back after a pregnancy spell, and uh, Pat McAfee says, I've never seen this this type of stuff from Becky Lynch. You, well, do you want to know what the funny part is about that? He also hasn't been doing his this job for more than three or four months. So, him, it doesn't surprise me that he, quote, Hasn't seen this type of stuff from Becky Lynch because he hasn't seen anything from Becky Lynch because she's been out for pregnancy first off and she came back to wrestle one match and it was 26 seconds and she put Bianca Belair on her back with a manhandle slam. Bianca Belair already lost her match in 26 seconds at SummerSlam only to come back and lose another match right here that was relatively just dry but it wasn't it wasn't Becky's fault honestly <clears throat> but nonetheless I digress there's another woman's match on this on this night too and it's a little bit better a little bit better because I gave it a half a star more. The Raw Women's Championship is on the line, and this one has a lot of layers to it. <clears throat> so, the layers that this one encases is the fact that <clears throat> after Charlotte Flair had ran through the women's division and she had ran rough shot through everyone who had stepped in her way, as far as the Raw Women's Championship goes, <clears throat> after Charlotte Flair had practically dominated the Raw Women's division, Taking out Rhea Ripley, taking out Nia Jax, taking out um, Asuka, taking out just everyone who, st who stood in front of this woman's way. And she would come out 
week after week and proclaim that she was the queen and that she couldn't be stopped and that um, there's no one on her level. You know, these kinds of promos is what Sami Zayn lacks, as a matter of fact. Because he'll just come out with a smile on his face and he'll say, Hi everybody, my name's Sami Zayn. I'm just happy to be here. Oh, yeah, I'll kiss your babies and I'll sign your your autographs. Of course I will. My name's Sami Zayn. You want me to sign your t-shirt? I'm just happy to be here. That's not what we need in the WWE. And I don't mean to keep circling back. Honestly, I don't mean to keep poking fun at Sami Zayn as though that he's a mentally ill child or for that matter a retard if I may use that word and I'm not trying to get suspended from the platform that I'm on but I'm being brutally honest and if you cannot handle that then maybe you do not need to be on my fucking platform in the first place. But I can't stand clowns who have no business being in a business that they do not belong in. I've buried Sami Zayn before. Don't think that I won't do it again. And you can take these sound clips that I'm basically burying him. You can edit them together and you can send it to him in, on a Twitter, on a tweet. I don't care whether you send it to him in his DMs, on his Instagram, on his Facebook, on his, on his, um, on his couch. I would love it. Absolutely love it if one of his friends were to show him something that I created or that I did wherever I talked about him wherever I made him relevant, that would be fucking wonderful. But anyway, we're going to go ahead and um, talk about the Raw Women's Championship. Your champion, Charlotte Flair, who has the best promos that I have seen in a long time from somebody and she really lives up to her father's name and she has to honestly do you know the amount of pressure that is on this woman to have a father who is a 16 time world heavyweight champion and on top of that whenever they say 16 time world heavyweight champion they are just counting the times that he's won the World Heavyweight Championship. They're not counting the times that he's won the NWA Championship, the times that he's won the WCW Championship, the times that he's won um, other territories and other titles. So, honestly, Flair's won the title more than 16 times, if you... Count all those together, especially the ECW championship, because he did wrestle for ECW for a little bit. He wrestled for WCW, as I aforementioned before. He's uh, wrestled in Tennessee Championship Wrestling. He's um he's he's been uh, everywhere practically. I mean, there's nowhere that this man hasn't wrestled and won a championship. But the amount of of pressure that this woman is under, Charlotte Flair, her real name, of course, Ashley Flair, but not the point. The point is that she must have an immense amount of pressure on her shoulders to live up to a name like that versus the Alexa Bliss. Bliss gives Charlotte a doll named Charlie. Bliss plays mind games with the champion Charlotte, but do you... Honestly, throughout this entire encounter, 
Charlotte shows no fear whatsoever. She's not afraid of Alexa. She's not afraid of Alexa's playhouse of, um, at one point in time during the hype package, she ends up saying, Alexa, I want the old Alexa back. I don't want this Alexa to show up and be humiliated whenever I defeat her. And then, of course, she was talking about the fact that Alexa Bliss had dressed up and had, like, she was, like, ponytails and, and, uh, she was, had this dress on and it has almost something to do with some horror show I'm sure was happening at the time. Um, she had, like, the, the red, uh, dye in her hair and, what Charlotte called that nasty ass black lipstick and she was I don't I don't know how to put it you just have to look up uh if you were looking to see what Alexa looked like at this time because it's quite the original look it's supposed to be something out of a horror film and it was meant to intimidate Charlotte but I don't think that she looks intimidated at all. Um, <clears throat> and coming into this match, like most of the, the hype package, the hype package especially was nothing more than uh, she calling her a bitch, she calling me a bitch, I'm calling you a bitch. Everyone calling everyone else a bitch. Um... But I give it three out of five stars. It was honestly a decent match, if not better than decent. Um, I honestly should have gave it a half a star more, three and a half out of five. It doesn't belong in the four out of five range, um, just because uh, it would have had it not been for that crappy ending. Um, <clears throat> I mean, you want to talk about crappy endings? most crappiest ending was the Bel Air Becky Lynch match, but I, Becky found a way to win. That's the, that's the good news about that. The next match that we have is not our main event or even our co-main event. It's actually the match before the co-main event, the match before the co-main event, which was the women's championship match is a triple threat match for the United States Championship. Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus versus Damian Priest. And this one was hard to watch. Um, Not only am I not a fan of Damian Priest, but I could care less about Jeff Hardy. And Sheamus was the most entertaining, even though... He's he was the bad guy in this, you know. Like Jeff Hardy and Damian Priest had mutual respect for one another, but Sheamus was raking everybody's eye, and he was he was playing a classic dirty dog, you know. And honestly, that's the best type of of uh, wrestling, the most entertaining type of wrestling, if I may say so myself. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say wrestling. I meant to say wrestling. <coughs> but um not only was it the most entertaining was Sheamus, especially given the fact that Jeff Hardy and Damian Priest just wanted to hold hands and sing Kumbaya, my lord. They honestly um didn't really put on that great of a performance. I mean, we did get a few near falls from Jeff Hardy, which was really, you know, you you're almost feeling like Hardy was about to win the United States title, but then the rug gets pulled out from underneath him like that. And then he was like, oh man, that was so close. That was so close. And a lot of people had a problem with this show in particular. I remember um, the YouTube video that I did where I talked about this one um, because of one problem. 
You see, the name of the show is called Extreme Rules. You may have noticed, but WWE Extreme Rules 2021 doesn't have any extreme rules whatsoever. There are, there, there have been no extreme rules matches. There has been no hardcore matches. There has been no um, stipulation matches, really, that whenever we're looking at them, they have yet to unveil a um, match where it's no disqualification, aside from the one triple threat match. There's actually a part where um, Seamus has Jeff Hardy, I think it is, in a um, cloverleaf. And Hardy reaches for the ropes. And if the referee would have broken the damn hold, I would have given this match one out of five stars instead of two out of five stars. Because that would have meant that the referee wasn't paying attention to the fact that this is a triple threat match. <clears throat> And rope breaks don't count in a triple threat setting because no disqualification. You know, like, say Sheamus were to take a steel chair to Jeff Hardy just to get himself disqualified. That's not fair. You know, whenever there's three or more competitors, it's not fair to the other person that someone gets themselves disqualified and therefore costing you an opportunity, or for that matter, costing you a championship. So, that's why triple threat or fatal four-way matches are usually um, no disqualification, in case you were wondering. However, now we get to the Universal Championship match, where Roman Reigns, our champion, who has been reigning for... 391 days at this point as champion thus far faces off against the demon Finn Balor and they keep calling him that they keep calling him demon or the demon at times and this match is surrounded with some some controversy because by the end of this match, even though Roman Reigns wins, he might win the battle. But honestly, if you look at this match, if you look back at it, he did not win the war. As a matter of fact, he barely survived. This would have been the match that I made a video about where I said they missed the mark. Because even though... 391 days as champ seems like, you know, it's just over a year or so. Um, I still feel the same way. I still feel like Finn Balor should have beat Roman on this night. And so here's the closing, the closing parts to this, um, match in particular. Tell me if it's a work or not. So Balor goes up. Balor's going up for the uh, coup de gras, as he calls it, and he's about to hit it, or he's about to jump off of the top turnbuckle, whenever all of a sudden the rope snaps that he's standing on, there's nobody there to like cut it or anything like that, and keep in mind that these ropes, by the way, are somewhat chain, okay? So... In case you didn't know, it's just chain wrapped in rubber so that it makes it easier to bounce you off of it. And it's not like chain like um, you would find at the gym that you would like uh, put on your neck and then do like 10 pound, 20 pound, 30 pound squats with or chain that you would use to like tug something. But nonetheless, there's a, a resilient type of chain that you can put under a... um. <clears throat> and it's just from the research that I've done that I understand this. And when Balor goes up for the coup de gras, as he calls it, it's just practically just the double stomps to the midsection, the sternum. He goes up for it, and then 
the rope just snaps and sends him flying forward. And he very, very fastly lands on his feet and then grabs his, uh, his, his thigh. While he's grabbing his thigh, the, um, lights come back on. <clears throat> they weren't off necessarily, but they were, uh, covered in red to signify that the demon was here and ended up happening was Roman just punches him right in the mouth and then just one, two, three, ding, ding, ding. But the match itself was something that was very beautiful. I didn't put a rating for this match. Oh my God, what am I doing? Oh my god, this has got so many elements to it too. Roman Reigns, the champion, facing off against the Demon Finn Balor in an Extreme Rules match. Um, we get a tables chant early on. Ironic, especially looking at uh, Extreme Rules 2015, which was the last pay-per-view that we looked at. I swear I didn't do this on purpose. But it's ironic because during his last man standing match with the Big Show... Roman Reigns' last man standing match with the Big Show. We get a tables uh, chant in that match as well, which was the last pay-per-view that we looked at, but we get a tables chant in that um, regard as well. And what, end up, what ended up happening was Uh, Big Show was basically saying, nope, no tables. We ain't doing that. We ain't playing that game. You want to know what Roman said? Extreme Rules 2021? No tables. We ain't playing that game. <laughs> That's the funny part right there. Is we were looking at 2015. Little did we know that uh, a few years later, six years later, I guess you could say uh, Roman would be saying the same thing that the Big Show said during the last man standing match that Big Show and Roman had. Uh, little did Roman know that he would be saying the same thing against Finn Balor. I don't know if they did that on purpose or not, but I'm going to imagine that they didn't because they're not as smart as I am. Otherwise, they wouldn't hire people like Sami Zayn. Clowns. See, if they were as smart as I was, they wouldn't hire people like Sami Zayn. <clears throat> Nonetheless, uh, Roman versus Big Show, the last episode, uh, Roman wants no tables, and Big Show wanted no tables. The rope snaps before a uh, finish attempt, and after that, Roman ends up knocking Finn Balor down and picking up the V for victory. <clears throat> we were able to go ahead and look at all these matches here. And also I want to say one more thing. Um, Not only about this match here. This is not only the first time that I would ever seen somebody use a low blow during a kickout attempt during a pinfall. And that is the most legendary thing that I'd ever seen in my entire life. Because to use a low blow when your opponent least expects it, especially whenever they're laying on top of you, trying to get the three count on you, is perfecto. One of the most beautiful things that you'll ever see in your entire life. That's all for that pay-per-view review, but... I still got something else to say. I never shut up, do I? However, MJF sold me. Okay, so two weeks ago, MJF practically came out and he poured his heart out to the um, AEW universe. MJF, Michael Jacob Friedman, comes out and he basically tells the people that he's... He's just like all of them, that he is exactly like all of them. And he didn't realize it until 
he had met his hero CM Punk. And whenever he met his hero CM Punk, and earlier CM Punk himself had said that that meeting with MJF was nothing more than just another Tuesday for him. But for MJF, it was more than that. It was more than just another Tuesday. Fast forward two weeks later, MJF is in the ring with CM Punk, and they're they're hugging each other, you know, and it looks like that they were about to make bygones be bygones, let bygones be bygones, and you want to know what ended up happening. The sneaky son of a bitch found a way to... Jab, jab the metaphorical dagger even further into CM Punk's back. And I love every minute of it. That's going to do it for me. Stay tuned for more episodes. Because that's great storytelling. That's why I like it. Because one minute you feel Sorry for the sympathetic MJF, and the next minute, you don't know what to believe anymore. Thank you all so much for joining me. This has been a wild ride, and I'm sorry that I couldn't plug the episode number, because I can't remember what episode that it is, unfortunately, and I don't really have said resources in order to go back and look, um... Especially not right now, now that this episode is concluded. I would like to thank everyone who's, uh, who's, um, joined me, uh, thus far. And for that matter, I would like to thank everyone who, um, has stuck by me for this long. Thank you all so much, and um, I hope you have a great rest of your day, or I'm always bad at closing. I should just shut my mouth and press the button that just stops the recording. I've been Mocha. You all know me as Robert. And I'm out. That's a wrap.